work. He, they're working for King Carol. Yep, exactly. Oh, I did. Jesus, how many minutes into this film? It finally dawned me. on you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, the whole so, system is corrupt, Carl. Third Eye just opened up. Now, okay, these guys are truckers, right? So they've bought a load and they have to deliver it somewhere to get paid. I think it's uh, maybe a derby. Yes. They might demolition be derby. this to a demolition derby. Now, what they're going to do is they're going to sacrifice their load. It's crazy. That's not true. Their son is in the car. Uh, yeah, that's true. Wow. Now, look how good uh, Peter Fonda is as an actor here in terms of, like, what he's doing and struggling and, and he's throwing yeah. something. When he hits them, he goes, yeah! It's a night and day from 92 in the Shade. He, you know he I was is, right about 92 in the Shade, man. His face was stuck I, like both he, he, The character was such a shitheel that uh, it sometimes worked. Okay. But yeah, yeah, but I, I know what you're saying. You know, he's a polarizing figure. My, uh, my wife's not a fan of his. Like, he, he turns people off, but I think he's fantastic. He turns think, people off, does he? Well, yeah, I think also culture. Uh, he was an icon for counterculture. Yeah, and if you're not into Easy Rider, you're not going to be into Peter Fonda. But it's a shame. That's really did, true. He did a movie that you'll see B uh, Gold, but he's like a beekeeper. Now look, and... look, it's exciting. Right, bumper he's getting with the cars. Okay, you're saying he was a beekeeper in a movie? Yeah, I think it was called <laughs> really? like Yuli's Gold. Yeah, uh, he's a good guy. I like him, man. I never saw a Golden Pond. How crazy is that? Oh, you should see it. You should really. See it. Well, I like Jane Fonda too. Film ever, but you really should see it. We watched the Jane Fonda movie called WT. No, FTW. No, FTA. Remember I FTA? Just, no, I remember the morning after. We did watch the morning after. Great, great Jane Fonda with movie. Anthony Quinn. We want. Uh, no, he was just a countdown. He was just a countdown. So she. It was called Fuck the Army. And she and like Donald, I think she was dating Donald Sutherland at the time. Uh -huh. But they would go to like uh, USO shows. But it was like anti. It was like a left wing USO shows. They would go during the war and yeah. do this uh, musical number. In the eighties, she got a lot of hate for that. Well, the whole, yeah, I know. And like veterans come and spin in her face. Yeah, well, at the Reserve Club where we're having the repass for Mario Gentile, if you go yeah. into the bathroom, in the urinal is a little Jane Fonda sticker, and it's the target for your pee. What the hell? That That's is a grudge. Much, that yeah, is a grudge. Is yeah. A grudge. Way to hold a grudge. Yeah. I don't think it's fair. I think many people were against the war. It doesn't mean you're against America. And if those people were alive at the time, they might have been for, I don't know. Yeah. They're... It's not fair. Okay, so Peter Fon is really duking it out with this guy. He's going to win. It's exciting stuff. This is a pretty, like, these stunts are pretty awesome. Yes, and Peter Fonda is not doing all of the stunts, but he is definitely on top of that car as it is moving along. Now, they Dude. might have been, look what happened to him. Dude. That's got to hurt. Now, he already took a car and rolled it off of the back of the truck. So this is a movie. You can't do the same thing again. So oh, no, how you gotta are you going to top it? <laughs> top it with gasoline. Yeah. Uh, set myself on fire. Look gasoline. At face. Look at that face. He's doing the shade. Right. Well, he's got a flare and he's about to blow up a car. Well, it's ironic he didn't blow up Dynamite Dan's car. But look at this. 
Now, this is the that's first time cool. something like this was attempted in a film. The internet thinks that's a big deal. I think this is a big deal. This is pretty cool. Look, he's got the the one of the cars following him on fire now. Yeah. This is crazy. He's like, number eight car. Man, Circle G must have been pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. What's that noise, eh? Eh? What's this all about? Uh, That's a good 10 4, please. Yeah, right. Oh, man. This is pretty cool stunts, Carl. I haven't seen Right. Yeah. Many times I've told you, like, a car's explosion is way too much for the reality, but, but not in this film. In this film, it's. Okay, now here comes Pickup to the rescue. She's been on the call with them. She's been calling on with them on the CB. She's got her gun. Yeah. Gun in it. Yeah. Now she's about to save their ass. I'm looking forward to it because they threw six flaming cars at these people and they're still getting chased. <laughs> they're still getting chased. They're down to one bad guy hijacker car. You'd think they'd call it a day. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mr. Carroll. They got away. Look at this. And that is Peter. That is nuts. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. King oh, Carol Westy wants to... Road. This is clearly Milton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could tell because uh, the Petersons used to have a pharmacy there. Yeah, the Petersons had a pharmacy there, and I dated their daughter. So I would be behind on, Mil- on Weston Road behind the pharmacy. Yeah. Speak to me. Y'all, you okay back there, buddy? Oh, look at Peter. Yeah. Look at Stuntman wearing a uh, cat power. Well, it's as much Peter as Stuntman. Now he's out of gas because he knew he had a long trip. So he said, I'll get gas on the way. Duh. Always. always Stupid. And, you know, Peter asked him, he said, Jerry, do you have to go before the trip? <laughs> yeah. No. Right. OP. Oh, no. I don't, Dad. <laughs> now, listen, Reed was in uh, WW and the Dixie Dance Kings. Do you remember that film? I do know the poster. I don't think I've, uh, oh, I don't know if I had an interest. It. Is you it good? It. Yeah. All right. I'll check it out for sure. I will search uh, my Apple now he was in Gator, which I think was another Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. He's a moonshiner, I think. No, that's White Lightning. No, Gator's good. I think that's an Elmore and Leonard. I don't know. They all blend. Now look it's... how she is not hiding. She stood there and shot back. Right. That means she's very brave, or it's a movie. What is she trucking her truck? She has. Well. She... Okay, she wasn't in her truck just then, but she is a trucker, like all of them, so whatever's the load. So she has a custom little pickup uh, mobile. Yes, it's just her car. We'll see it throughout the film. That's, people don't have cars like that. It's I don't have Carl and Mike on my car. On my car <laughs> out, you know. Okay, so now they're safe. Now there's no talk about the fact that he just ruined his load and now he's behind the eight ball. He owes money. He he destroyed, right? The cars are gone. Yeah. Also, they don't call the cops. He no. doesn't tell King Carol what happened. None of it. They're just fixing his rig and getting ready for the next thing. What hit my impression of King Carol? Well, did you uh, beat him up and uh, set him straight? Well, six people are dead and uh, <laughs> there's flaming carcasses everywhere. 
Oh, man, did I did not think this through. See you next week. See you next week. Till the next trucker. <laughs> now, um, Jerry Reed is essentially saying now, that's it. I'm quitting. I mean, I... I well, obviously. I'm gonna get right. And so yeah. Peter Fonda is going to be like, don't quit. Don't quit. Stay independent. Don't quit. He's like, well, I can't afford it, you know? And so he goes, uh, okay, why don't we illegally run alcohol? <laughs> Wait a minute. An hour into this movie. Uh-huh. Where does he know about this? Oh, that's why he's called Rain, right? Rainwater? No. Because it's, it's illegal It's only alcohol. 45 minutes into the film. We introduce the alcohol. Now, Hiccup knows buyers who will buy the alcohol, okay? So they know where to get it. They know where to sell it. All they got to do is get $10,000. 1978 money with a legal yeah. bootleg liquor in 1978. Well, the deal with bootleg liquor is it's not like you do a job and you get paid. No, no, no. You take all the risks. So you go and you pay $10,000 to buy the liquor. And then you personally sell it for 12 or 15 I don't know what. No. And that's... So that was the theme of Smokey and the Bandit, right? They were yes. like, they were bringing cores from Except one state a, to another. Yes, but it was also a race. There was a bet that they couldn't do it within a certain time frame, and it was Coors Light. Yeah, because from what I understand, you know, being of from the Rockies, native myself, mm -hmm. is that Coors was only Colorado. It was only certain states that have, and and like back in Paul, the day, back in the day, and so like Paul, uh, no Robert Redford, no Paul Newman would have his beer sent to him and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so with that knowledge, I was watching Smokey and the Band, and I go, makes perfect sense, Coors. Because they're not doing moonshine, right? In 1978, people right. weren't drinking hooch. It was just tax-free beer. Yeah. yeah. Due to tax reasons, they couldn't get a Coors, you know? Of course. <laughs> You're right. Okay. So now they're going to make the deal and get the alcohol. And Peter Fonda is somehow saying, you can't come in. You can't come in. I don't know why. And it's pissing her off. She just saved their ass. I know. She, she did all the heavy lifting. She shot him point blank. With the gun. Yeah. Told him about the Smokies. Did I ever tell you how I got fired at the uh, under, as an undertaker? No. I was working no. with a mortician. Uh -huh. And he says, there's a corpse light. And I uh, made a joke. Uh, I said, well, I, I'm, I'm not, I, you saying I'm drinking on the job? Ooh. But actually, I saw the corpse. Yeah, it was a joke. Coors Light, Corpse Light. Then it took me five minutes to come up with the premise. Okay, I'm not doing that one at the open mic. So now Peter is informing him we're going to have to walk home. <laughs> He's like, do you have money for a cab? And he goes, yeah, I think I got it. I could find that in my pocket. He goes, good, because after we do this deal, I don't have a penny. Because he's mortgaged his house, believe it or not, to do this. Rain promised to sell his motorcycle, the Indian, for $1,000. No, no that's, that's Rain. That's his thing. Well, that's really touched Jerry Reed, uh, you know, iron here. It really touched him. You would do that, huh? He goes, yes, I would do that. They're like good friends, you know. Oh, man. Now, we're about to see this actor. He only shows up like two times in the film. But um, he he's a Canadian actor. They're all, they all are. But he was in Meatballs. 
I was going to say, like, I'm surprised they made a movie in Canada and Harold Ramis or John Candy didn't Wasn't show up in the 70s. Yeah. 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 Especially the year. Yeah. They were probably doing their own thing at this time. He was also in Cagney and Lacey, and he was mm. voicing King Koopa in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Okay. All right. Hang on. Let me get there the. Uh, all right. Hang on. I want to hear King Koopa. So let's get the studio audio up. I'll get you, Mario. So the point is there that you take all the risk. You just, I'll sell it to you, and uh -huh. I'm done. I'm done. I'm paid. You own some booze. King Koopa, is he Bowser? I have no idea. He was also Sam in the Adventures of Sam and Max, Freelance Police. Apparently, that was a big show. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know the video game Sam and Max. It was a graphic text adventure where you would click around stuff. Uh-huh. Now, this is a very famous Canadian country singer. Okay. And her band is very, very famous, too. Again, the director's using the mirrors to tell the story, right? Like, you could see them perform. You know, they have oh, an actual band there. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. have a band in the room, and you show it through the mirror. I did not pick up on this, and I saw this film multiple times. Okay. Now, pickup shows up. And she's got beef. She's got beef. Yeah. You guys, I saved your saved ass your twice. You kicked me out. You're not including me. So they're going to have I saved your life in Mill. Yeah, in Milton. Milton. Yeah, in 7 a.m. A ton. Now, this country star, her name is uh, Myrna Laurie. And the band, her famous band, is called Prairie Oyster. Uh-oh. She was the first lady of Canadian country music. So she was a big fish in a little pond. Yeah. And prairie oysters are testicles, aren't they? I don't know. Well, testicles? What would a... Okay, yeah, yeah. Oysters from the water, but it's a prairie oyster, which is... Right. The, not the desert. It's like a right. tundra. Like... Um... Well, anyway, they were a country music group from Toronto, and they were named country group or duo uh, of the year six times by the Canadian Country Music Association. I don't know. She's a big deal, so she got a part in a movie, and, and we should care about that. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm sure the soundtrack was available. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now we're going to have the beginning of the true romance love affair. Uh, with Pickup and Rain. Yeah. And we're going to start by dancing. But wouldn't you know it, this is a movie. So we can't just have love. We got to give a conflict. So therefore, some jerk is going to be like, can I cut in? May I dance with your woman? And of course, because it's a movie, Peter Fonda will go, punch! Yeah, right. Cold cock. Punch! Cold cock him. And that'll start a big fight like a like a like a western where they're all fighting in the bar yeah and they'll escape together Stuntmen call that a wednesday harvey our bad guy who we don't know is a bad guy yet will be there and he'll start to follow them and now we begin harvey will be the heavy for the rest of the film there he is up there in the balcony checking him out all right so i was a little dense the first 45 minutes of this movie but He's going to realize that they're just, they're doing illegal hooch. Uh... Well, that's how he's going to get him. If they can catch him, you see. So it's smoking the bandit. 
Well, no, because he will abandon that idea and just, like, want to kill them. Oh. Look, he's like, may I cut in? Hey, Mr. Bow! That, the answer is no. There we go. And they escape, of course, and then everyone fights. Right. And there's this funny scene, which isn't hilarious funny, in which they go get their coats from the coat check girl. They tip her a dollar. Yeah. Like, they're on the run. Let's get out of here quick. Oh, Boom! you got your coat ticket? Whoa! Whoa, that's some heavy stunts. Guy. There's some really good stunts in this movie. <laughs> A lot of falling downstairs or... or it's all lift. practical effects. Oh, no, he's going to cut you with the wine bottle. Come on, man, come on. That's not cool. You know I'm sober. <laughs> I got a knife. I spin it around. Whoa! He jumped across the balcony diagonally. Pick oh, up sticky looked... butt too. He's falling off the balcony because if there is a balcony and move, okay, here where we get our funny thing. Hello, we had a good time. Yes, please, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cool. Keep this for yourself, and then they run away. <laughs> now, any which way, but loose. Because I was thinking about it, because he does look like a young Clint Eastwood when he's punching people in a bar. Uh, uh, any which way with loose was a trucking movie, but it was not. Was Jerry Reed in that? No, no. But uh, another guy we always see in our films was uh, he was in uh, um, two films we saw. He was always. Oh, I forget now. I better shut my mouth. Yeah. Okay, so now Harvey is like, follow him. I want to see where they're going. Look, it's clearly Milton. I, I used to, okay, that was not uh, an erotica shop at the time. It was a- uh, Head shop? Uh, it, it, no, it was not a, it was not an erotica shop. It was really just a, like a convenience store. But ironically, I would buy penthouses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Canadian we had penthouse. Canadian penthouse. Yeah. Well, 20% of the pen, uh, Playboy, the models had to be Canadian, I believe. <laughs> that was the law? Yeah, yeah. Now, he goes- you go to that hotel there and get us a room and I'll meet you there later because we're clearly being followed. And she's like, whoa, a motel. You know what I mean? Like, it's very yeah. forward. You go get us a motel room. Why don't they go? Why don't she pick up, take them home, take her home? Uh, never mind. Okay. Well, you know, they should do it in the cab and then put a little bumper sticker just to let people know that if this, this is rocking, don't come a knocking. <laughs> so I got to take a leak. Peter hides. Okay, so Pickup goes and get a motel room. Peter hides so we can see that he doesn't know it's Harvey at the time, that whoever's following them now knows they're at the motel. You see that Canadian light? Uh, it was I not did not see a Canadian light. Oh, come on. Okay. What's the, what the hell is a Canadian light? Um, okay, you know, in America, you have the uh toggle switch on your light, you know, that click, click, the big, thick, like, right? It says on and something else. I don't remember, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, in Canada, it is a circle and and it's a little recessed, uh, and it's either a click button or there is a toggle, but it looks different, it's a standard. If I went to your house in LA, I would have the same clicky toggle switch that I have here in Jersey. It's a standard yep. across. Well, that's the same thing. Like, you know, a film is a foreign film. If the lights look all a certain way, if the toilets are all a certain way, if the light switches are a certain way, it's just a very much a giveaway that we're in Canada. 
Okay, now look, Peter Fonda knows that they know they're in the motel, but yet he stays in the motel. Why? But also Pickup doesn't know. He puts her in danger, right? <gasps> right, she's being put in danger. Okay, so look, he's running like a mad dog. He's like, don't take your shirt off. This is a PG <laughs> movie. Now Pickup's getting all ready for Peter Fonda. Right, okay. except, oh my look, God. Yeah, this is that coming. Areola too. It's not appropriate. I did not see that coming. Did not realize she was wearing that. Pickup's pretty cool, man. She's got like cool stuff. Yeah. Well, hello. But I mean, like, she's got a custom truck and like crazy lingerie. Now somebody's coming. Now why does Pickup think it's bad guys? Ow! <laughs> Look, wow. Yeah. Karate. So this scene was in the trailer. Oh, was it? Yeah. I don't know if you could see Areola in the trailer. That's a really good point. Now, you see, this is what I'm saying, Mike. It makes no sense. I think we're being followed. Pulls over, sees that they definitely are being followed. Sees that they see that Pickup is in the motel. So why didn't he go in there and say, we got to get out of here? Right. Instead, he has sex with her and sleeps there until, well, I don't think it's until the morning, but. Also, she spent a lot of time, like, lacing that up. And, yeah, he just yeah, undoes just it. it. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Rude. I, it's, since it's a 70s film, it's obligatory that we see them doing it. <clears throat> but we won't see them all the way doing it, because this movie is PG. Oh, here he is, Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> Harvey. Now, Harvey's the bad guy, but I got to admit, he looks pretty cool for 1978. And well, there is this, Yeah, go ahead. There is this scene in which he, like, stops Jerry Reed's truck, and he looks so cool. He definitely looks cool. He, this guy, The actor got an introducing credit. In yeah, this is his first film. He would go on to do a bunch of films, uh, and I think you would know him. Let's see, where is it? Harvey, here he is. You would know him from Dark Man 2. You would Which know I've him, seen. But you would really know him from Boondock Saints. He was in Boondock Saints oh. 1 and 2. 1 and 2. Yeah, you wouldn't know his other films. The Hounds of Notre Dame. The Last Winter. Glory and Honor. Resurrection. Storm of the Century. Ooh, Storm of the... I remember. Who could forget? Ooh, Storm of the Century and Man of the Year? Yeah. Yeah. So what we're learning here is that the truth is King Carol and Harvey are in business together. Now, King Carol's the boss. Harvey's the money. Uh, the, the, Harvey is the, the muscle, but he's got money invested. He has like 49% to oh. King Carol's 51, you know? So it's like, don't forget, I give the orders. And he turns around real cool and goes... I don't forget that, Carol. <laughs> I just think it's stolen valor to call yourself king. You well, know? he owns the place. He didn't steal. He's been going to mall saying, listen, as your king, you should give me a 20% <laughs> discount. It's disgusting. Uh, all right. This is basically a touching scene. Like, what's wrong, dad? And... You know, I could come with you. I could help. This is really dangerous, and a kid can't be there. But I'm help. I could help. He didn't I'm help sure at he all. Did. What did he, he do helped. in that last scene? Did he help Peter Fonda he said, push a flaming said, car off the roof? Duck! 
Yeah, goes, thanks. Look out. Duh, duh, son. Duh, son. <laughs> Dad, they've got guns. Yeah, I know that. Oh, <laughs> the shooty kinds? Ooh. Did your mother teach you about guns? Yeah, yeah, there's a plenty of prep. He shouldn't go. King Carol did a lot of voiceover work. Here he is with this hat. He was in uh, a bunch of stuff for Marvel. Huh. 1966, he was the voice of Thor. Ooh. Uh, in the 60s and Spider-Man, he was the voice of Mysterio. That's so crazy. And he would go on to do, like, voices in the Care Bears and stuff. He was uh, born in England, but he was a Canadian actor. And he was on the TV show Friday the 13th a lot. But this is his big thing. He was the dad on Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah. The Friday the 13th, the television show was, was definitely shot in Canada. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. He's yeah. totally a Canadian actor. Um, let's turn up the volume because he's going to do that. I'm the boss. <laughs> that's all. That's enough. All he's right. a cool dude. He right? is a cool dude. Yeah, for sure. And he's hard. He's, By the way, we're perfectly synced because when you turn up the sound, his lips did. I know, Kane. Well, I, you know what? I'm getting used to the studio and how to turn a mute and unmute the sound. Yeah, let's give a shout out to the studio of Mutiny Radio. Yeah. I mean, FM here in the Mission District. Here, deep in the Mission District, Florida. Mission. 21st, you can't miss it. Listen, come on down. Be part of the shows. They're pamtastic. They're pamtastic they Friday. Joke workshop. Oh, did you see that little the, the cat was, running away? Was it a skunk? Bunny? I watched this film a lot of times. I never saw that. But look at his gun. Look at it. Yeah, it's got... overkill. It is overkill. Well, having a lit cigarette in your mouth as you put it in a clip is overkill. Well, he's cool guy. You know? Yeah, he can't help it. He can't help it. Now, look. She's like, like, give me affection. Give me affection. And she's like, give me a break. Give me a sandwich. What? <laughs> Whoa. Did you know they're making an animated version of Married with Children? How can you do that without a live studio audience? That it's is gonna, stupid. Yeah. I heard about that, but this time they're going to make it a comedy. <laughs> it I'm up. using that at the open mic. Actually, <laughs> I will use that at the open mic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, Married with Children. PG-13. Cartoon. But this time it's going to be a comedy. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I think it's funny. That. Whoa! Whoa! Of accident. Did you see that? There was a crash. I had no accident. <laughs> there was a. Whoa! We Whoa. all saw Ariel. Okay, now she sees that bad guys are coming. Now is it daytime or nighttime? They didn't sleep. It's postcoital. It was precoital. Now it's postcoital. Oh, okay, okay. So he's like, uh, "Rain, men are coming. Rain. They have, they have machine guns." And Rain's like, "What?" He wakes up. Oh, no, he's not going to do that five more minutes, Ma thing. Right. Oh, give it up for Pickle. Man, oh, man. man I should have it. He is just well, young, beautiful, perfect skin. She's got her own uh, uh, truck with the back. <laughs> She'll wear that outfit for you. She, yeah, right. She wears no bra in cold rooms. She's a keeper. <laughs> Now look at this. Why would he just go in there and shoot them to death? Why? Yeah. Well, no, well, they're, they're 
But is it really like worth it? Carol, he was saying, this guy's different. This guy's not going to lay down to us. This guy's going to be an example to the other truckers, and they're going to revolt against us. So that's the reason why they have to kill the guy, because he would be I an guess. example. I it's guess. not that, like, he's going to kill the guy and then be like, okay, business as usual. Now, for some reason, they are chasing Harvey now. Why? Why? Payback. <laughs> Oh, look, there's some other people. Maybe someone else in the hotel motel heard it. No. Look, no one heard it. Once again, they won't call the cops or make a big deal or anything. They're not going to pay their motel bill and including nope. all the damage. Nobody in the motel was there. I think there's someone on the porch, but. You know. Now, since they're, look, his lights are off, and they will stay off even though he's on busy streets. Mr. Burger. Go for Mr. Burger. Now, oh. I really think we're in Toronto now because King's, King Carol is in Toronto, and you can see that tower. Okay, so now he knows that Harvey works for King Carol. He's not an independent. Well, I mean, he is a trucker who works for King Carol, but he, now he knows he's the muscle. Now, why... Is Harvey a trucker if he has enough money to invest in half of King Carroll's business? I don't get it. Well, maybe he's just a trucker, a trucker with a hustle. That's all. There's so much in this movie I don't get. Why isn't he in the office with King Carroll if he owns half the company? This is the coolest mobile. It has like a gun in the in the glove compartment and yep. like she's a keeper, man. Pick up. Mm. Got the hookup with the pickup. Now, once again, yeah, well, her name was pickup because she never gets picked up. That Nobody can pick her up. That's the... Okay, and that's why she yeah. painted on the car? Yeah, that's her name. Look, he handles a barbed wire fence like nothing. Look at that. Peter Fonda. That might be a stunt person. Yeah, that's pretty, really impressive. These stunts are really impressive. Now, here's the skipper from Gilligan's Island. No, shut no, up. No, it's not. The alarm goes off. Somebody has breached the perimeter. So King Carol's getting a phone call. He sleeps with a bolo tie? <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> notice that. Look at that 70s lamp. Oh, my God. And a fake plant. Oh, yeah. And he was drinking and taking He's pills. Champagne. Those are prescription next to it. Oh, he was taking drinking and taking pills. Yeah. How can he function right now? Dude, he better have a prostitute in that room. Right. It is bad form. It's bad it's form. It's take... not fun to take pills, drink champagne, and you don't have a process. Okay. Now we're at the Toronto uh, seaport. Yeah. Ob it's obvious. Minna, isn't it? The USS Minna. Maybe they just kept driving north. Easel power. Now, check this out. It's got to not be Peter Fonda. It's got to be a stuntman. But you see those hooks? Yeah. He uses it like a grappling hook to get into. I don't really understand why he's infiltrating their warehouse at all. Like, what is he doing? I don't get why he wants to break in now that he found out that Harvey works for Carol. I don't get it. Well, they try to kill him, right? So isn't he trying to... Uh, I guess. Get revenge. This is pretty look, cool. Look what happens. Yeah. Now, check this out. That's got to be a stuntman. That's got to be a stuntman. I just saw the Batman, 
there's better stunts in this movie. <laughs> and there's look, a lot of stunts. Look how wrong this his other hand is. He's clearly not dangling. He's oh right, yeah, yeah. Well, God bless. Only so much I want Peter Fonda to go through. You know, it's night and day. His acting in this and ninety two in the shade. He just walked through ninety two in the shade with no emotion. Horrible, horrible. Maybe he thought he was doing his character, but it translated into i'm not going to act this is night and day he is a bull. Well, you know what i'm gonna say don't you think it's because of the director uh, i don't know you know mike speaking of that director uh, there's a movie in that guy i don't mean the movies he made i mean the story the story's fascinating the director and having an uh married with a second woman like in the marriage Right, he had threesomes all the time. Yeah. He wrote that book, 92 in the Shade. He makes the movie and then he cheats with Margot Kidder and 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 dumps his threesome and marries Margot Kidder, takes her to Montana where he lives, ruins her life, essentially. Yeah. yeah. They have the breakup because of Superman. He she gets the role in Superman. But meanwhile, now she lives in Montana for the rest of her life. She has children. She commits suicide at, in, at 62. And she tells her friends to feed her to the wolves. You remember? Yeah. There's a movie in that story. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The director of 92 in the Shade. It's so, it's so, what a, what a story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think Nas I would name that movie like Trainwreck. I think <laughs> I would name that movie National Lampoon's Trainwreck. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah. We got to do open micers. We never even talk about it anymore. I know we don't. Our our spec script, <laughs> spec script. Well, no, we just wanted to show it to you. We don't want to make the money for the 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 uh, National Lampoon moniker. That yeah. film's as good as made. Yeah. Oh, we are in in like Quinn. Look at this, man. Yeah, it's really impressive stunts. I mean, this is eating up a lot of film time too. Wait, did you say in like Flynn or Quinn? I said Quinn, and then I oh, said Anthony like Quinn. Anthony Quinn. When it comes to girls, Anthony Quinn is not in. Isn't in like Flynn is because Errol Flynn like yeah. underage girls. Always got the underage. I don't know. It's because he was popular like the late with the ladies, and he was in. He was in. In what? He was like, "There's a girl at the bar." You're mm -hmm. not going to get her, but Errol Flynn could easily. He so if you, oh no, I'm in like Flynn. Look at that school. Yeah, well, this movie's unspooling. Okay, now it was dumb for her to stay there because now she's going to get kidnapped. It makes no sense. How did they know it was her truck? What gave it away? What other? Tr you keep calling it a truck. It's. It's a what? It's a car? No, but the thing is, it is a truck, but this is a trucker movie, so that means uh, an 18-wheeler, you know? Oh, shit. No admittance. I got to turn oh, back. God. Oh, damn it. Movie's over. Oh, what a waste of time. I, I, I scaled I got, the wall. I climbed the scale of the wall. I, no admittance. Uh-oh. Nice. Oh, by the way, this is considered a trucker movie, and all those movies about trucker, uh, those websites about truckers, they reference that. Yeah, I got yeah. a lot of my detail from. Now look, they go and kidnap her. Why did she stay there? Wasn't she like the getaway car, like getaway yes. guy? Yes, but why not drive away, 
keep passing it or something. They're going to discover bodies or something. They're pod trucks. <laughs> and this makes no sense why he's in there. What's his goal? Why does he have a gun? What is he looking for? There's nothing for him to find. He knows well, they're he after him, so he goes into the beehive. It doesn't make sense. Uh, is it just simple vengeance? He's going to shoot up Harvey and King Carol? Then let us know that, I guess, so that as a viewer, we've got an excuse, a reason he's in there. I don't know. Super sale. Carl, I got to get some coffee. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, you should have poured it before the show like me. Look at this mug right here. I had to plug in my router. That's why I excused myself. But it was technical for the show. It was important. That's clearly row S. Okay. They must have 26 rows. And that is the 19th, 18th row. When was it? H T 20 F. In the 19th row. Now, here we have the coolest guy in 1978, Harvey, giving orders. He's in here. You guys, close that door. You guys, surround him from here. You guys, come with me. They're looking for him. They're looking for him. I smell rain in here. Whoa, lights are out. They think they found him because here comes an 18-wheeler right at them. Here comes Holy an 18-wheeler right at the bad guy. Get the truck out of here. They clearly found P. P get the truck out of here. What the truck? <laughs> you got to be trucking kidding. Don't truck. Don't shoot that truck. I invested $18,000 in that truck. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Nothing will stop Peter Fonda from driving forward. <laughs> oh, eep, eep, Boom! eep. How embarrassing. Oh. No one was in the, the horns going, too, just to hurt their ears. Oh, no one's in there? <laughs> He's got the stuff of his El Camino. All the supplies are in, like, half uh, English, half French. Yeah, in this American movie. It's so they, they, obvious he's not in there. Of course, the cool guy, Harvey's the one. Freeze! So you can see the monkey wrench is making the horn go. Oh. So he's pissed. And the hat is like a signature, like the cat burglar. That's right. It was yeah. me, cat trucks. Look at him. I can't, um, I can't believe the star of the movie, Jerry Reed, did that. It was me. What? I'm the, the second, star. I'm the star. I'm top billing. That's right. He is top billing. This, He's this calling guy. up. Dad, did you see my movie? Dad, did you see my... Oh, sorry, son. Oh, uh, son. Trying to bail out your daughter right now. My daughter. Look how he just handles those barbed wire. Okay, they're really, really rough with her. Yeah. I mean, you know, they are. And I know they're acting and everything, but it's... Oh, it's that? a 70s movie, yeah. right? People would pay to see that. Yeah, I guess so. He goes, where is he? He goes, he got away. Harvey? Because they're going to fight. Oh, really? That's not professional. You're not turning up the sound? Did you oh, miss gosh, me? yeah, yeah, no, I'm shit, sorry. Right, I got it, like, King Koopa. It's going to be and... over. Just, it's typical Spiegelman. 
Okay, I'm ready, Carl. Yeah, okay, good. All right, yeah, all right. Oh, you know what it is? It's the studio. I tossed the uh, thing over by the studio yeah. couch. How about you know it's your job to do this? It Did you just job. do it again? Did you just do Okay, keep it there. Don't, don't, don't turn the sound off. There's nothing. It's King Koopa. Yeah, and what he's going to say is, like, where are your friends? And he goes, in on, he goes, well, you should just keep the money. And Jerry Reed gives him a dirty look. Like, you have no loyalty, you liquor-running dude. You 70s liquor-running dude. He is playing the perfect sleazeball. Jerry and Jerry's a family man. No. Oh, the other guy, King Koopa. King, yeah, King Koopa. <laughs> Poor guy. We're just calling him King Koopa. Now, we know Peter Fonda is the son of Henry Fonda. I'm just saying because I mentioned it before. Younger brother of Jane Fonda and the father of Bridget. Bridget yeah. Fonda. Now, you saw Bridget Fonda show up recently, right? In this movie? No. She hasn't been seen in 12 years, and they caught her at a grocery, and she's overweight not grotesquely, but really horribly overweight. They took all pictures of her, and and Bridget Fonda says, I don't care. I'm out of movies. I'm just a regular person. Honestly, what does it say to, for us as a generation of movie viewers and consumers that people like Bridget Fonda, Cameron Diaz, and Gwyneth Paltrow have to retire? Like there's it a certain horrible things about us. But at the same no, no, I'm with you, Mike. It's very bad about our culture. Yeah. At the same time, though, why can't Bridget Fonda play the roles that like um um who was in Misery, the bad woman? In it was Misery. Kathy Bates. Yeah. So why – Kathy Bates was never a young starlet, skinny and looking beautiful. And then – you know what I mean? These starlets who – Yeah. Well, that, right? There's roles for them. I mean it sounds like clickbait too where they're like, hey, check out you know, this whole yes, like – you know, yes. And we used to read National Enquirer and they would have pictures of, of celebrities gone fatty. But it isn't anybody's business. She made a conscientious decision to not right. be part of the industry and that's the end of that. Now, we saw young Einstein. Uh, yeah. There was another thing like that. They hadn't seen him in 15 years, and they saw him. He was walking the same dog that he had. This is Yahoo time. serious? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, they, it was the same thing. But they weren't embarrassing him. It was just exciting. Okay, now he's um, driving. Oh, darn, it's not. Here it is. It's a white Western star, 4,800 wrecker, and it looks absolutely fantastic in blue pinstripes. Boy, the internet really cared about, trucking sites really cared about this move. His El Camino gets referenced all the time, too. It's a GMC Caballero, the Chevy El Camino's obscure twin. So it's not an El Camino. It's a Caballero, the competitor huh. back in the day of... Well, you know, the Simpsons had the, the big uh, SUV called the Caballero. Uh-huh. And they had a little song about it. Listen, this is the scene in which I said, you know what? This guy is a cool-looking guy with this 70s jacket. I'm ready. I got my button on, on mute right here. I'm, the, well, the... uh, it's, uh... Okay, it's over. here comes Jerry Reed. Look at him smoking his cigarette. He can yeah, handle cool. the situation. He knows what he's going to do. He's right in the middle of the road. Run me over, bitch. I know you won't. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, pretty badass. Yeah, he has assumed the position. 
Jerry Reed's pretending he could. What? What is that? What? I'm acting. Uh-oh. Look at the Cavalero's Canadian plane. Look, he's got the gun. He's got yeah. the gun. Yeah. Like James Bond. So Jerry Reed does the only thing he can do. Stops. Well, you know, Jerry knew it because he saw the uh, guy pointing a uh, gun at you sign uh, next to the deer crossing. <laughs> Harvey. Oh, I keep thinking Look of the honeymoon. Cool he is, man. Look at that belt buckle. Yeah, no, he's badass. He's got his black gloves on because he's going to do crime. I don't want any fingerprints when I. Look crime. at the collar pop he's got going. It's a badass collar pop. Where's your friend Rain, Duke? The star of the movie? He's not here. Look at his shifty eye. Oh, don't cover him. Don't cover him. Don't show me Jerry Reed's butt. <laughs> you, were, you were asking for Goodness. the back. Yes. Now, look, Jerry Reed's no dummy. He gets a thing to club him. And right. He's walking tall. Hides it. He goes, turn around and face me, Iron Duke. Iron Duke. Look at that nostril flare. Click, click, click. You hear the gun cock. Pow! Oh! Shot in the stomach. Right, this is the 70s film. I forgot. The main character gets shot. Yeah. But that's, see, Peter Fonda really is the main character because now Jerry Reed will be out of the film until the end. Well, this isn't the end? You should. Uh, he won't be out of the film until the end, but as an active player. He's out. But we're at the end of Act 2 now? We are at the beginning of Act 3. It's the... When he had the fight with uh, King Carol, which you didn't turn turn up, that was our setup for the ticking time bomb, the race, the, you know, I'm gonna get him. This is gonna be settled. Now, his his gloves had the knuckles exposed. Why did they do that on the gloves? It must be a reason. There must be, like bending your... Yeah, or maybe just wear and tear, you know? Your knuckles wear them out. <laughs> they were man, they were factory. Oh, you put, like, some brass knuckles on your gloves, and you're going to see some wear and tear when you take it off. <laughs> uh, Iron Duke, this is Rainmaker. Give me a shout back. Okay, so what's happening here is he won't be able to get Jerry Reed. Somehow he knows that... It doesn't make sense. Somehow he knows that um, um, Harvey's after him. Stupid name for a cool guy, right? So then he's going to call in help from all the truckers right. at the Arizona truck stop. That's uh, like would be. That's like every episode of BJ and the Bear. I, I got to call in my trucker <laughs> angels. Now here's another dumb thing. He finds Jerry Reed hurt. Clearly, he needs an ambulance. Yeah. But he doesn't say, send an ambulance here. He instead will take Jerry Reed back to his house, and the ambulance will meet them at the house. Why? Why? Well, I mean, it's not like they yeah. have a citizen's sure. band where they yeah. can call a... a yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. He should say, look, get the ambulance over here. Did you how see far his away? face emote? Peter yeah, no, Pond is Peter a Pond, real yeah. actor. Yeah, uh, as a real actor, I get to uh, throw flaming cars off a truck. <laughs> so he's now saying, I need an ambulance at the Duke house. 
the Duke. There's Canadian Tower, right? Right there. No, no. With the awful. What is no, that? Like no, a, that's a hotel. It's a hotel. Ew, with that rotating restaurant yeah. in the top. No, it's just a circle. It's not the rotating. The internet told me all about the prominent buildings. That is yeah. like Hilton or something. Oh. Look, he I takes the bullets out. Why? Oh, he's not going to write. He's not going to write uh, Peter Fonda's name on each bullet. Look, he's put one bullet in. Oh, I'm sorry. He's doing he was just replacing two. his. Yeah, he was replacing the bullets that had Reed's name on them. He only needs two bullets: one for Peter Fonda and one for the movie director. <laughs> not for King Carol, because King Carol. Oh, King Carol's going to get it. Now, yeah. who's Larry? They're introducing a truck third act. Who's Larry? Larry's the name of the guy who owns this wrecker. This wrecker is uh, is not a. Uh, it got mentioned on those trucking sites. Yeah. Now this is winter, of course. Now look, they're back at the house in Kleinberg, and the son will now witness his shot father. Why did he bring him home? I don't know. Canadian thing, I guess. Now look, in Canada, they they write things backwards so you can see ambulance with okay never mind well they do that in the united states ontario plates in this american yeah i know look they don't we lost the script on that it's obviously canada look at the uniforms of canada it's It's canada it's canada he lives in canada that's the film (laughs) deal with it not arizona listen if we learn one thing from covid it's not all truckers are american jerry shot down Loaded up. <laughs> yeah. Eastbound and horizontal. Uh, ver- uh, yeah. <laughs> horizontal and down. <laughs> oh, he took pickups uh, sweater. Yes. Now, um, the kid has a bike too. His name's Tanker the Kid, and he's got a 77 Yamaha YZ series. Okay, now it's he's calling in King Carol and stupidly warning him, I'm coming to get you, and I'm bringing truckers. Why would right. he warn him? Why would you go on the public on a citizen ban and announce your intention to everybody? Stupid. Well, I gotta keep this movie going. Maybe he's highballing. Sorry, I had that coffee I mentioned. Uh-huh. I gotta be careful. I can't spill the coffee on any of the studio equipment. Very smart. Very smart. We don't want Pam upset with you. Pam will get uh, pissed although, off. Yeah, as long as our checks are clearing, though, she might forgive it. I've I've been in the studio where everything is sticky, or my favorite is like covered in weed. Like someone <laughs> rolled, and it's like you rolled the joint and you left half of it on the sound mixer. <laughs> thank, thank you. By the way. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, thank you. Now, Thanks this was given. released in Toronto in May of 78 and Los Angeles of August of 78. And it appeared on television in November of 78. So it got its run. Yeah. Once they released it under the title of Death Toll. I don't know why. It came out in video in 89 and it never made it to DVD. Oh. Also, they had a working title during the filming of this thing. Uh, which was PF, where is it? Where is it? That's I'll tell you in a, in, in a minute, but they decided to call it. Um, okay, there all the truckers are rolling right. out to go and help 
Go ahead. What? Peter Fonda's like, come help me kick this guy's ass. We need a big old convoy. Superb. That's a convoy. Carl, that's we a convoy. A, no, you don't know the song. I know Homer Simpson's. We got a know. mighty convoy running through the night. We got a mighty convoy. Ain't, Ain't it a beautiful, a beautiful sight? sight? You do know it. You do know it. I know Homer Simpson singing it oh, 20 okay. years ago. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but I do know. All right, turn it up I'm... now. Turn it okay. up now. All right, all right. What's your plan, Kevin? We're supposed to go out there with our hands in the air, just give ourselves up. Is that it? Or what else can we do? Ow! Oh, down he goes. <laughs> Not playing it your way anymore, Carol. I like that. Ah, you see the laid law. That was in Canada. The laid law in Canada was um, 17, not 16, 17. Oh, you mean like how heavy your truck can be? No, the age of consent. That was the laid law. <laughs> it was 17. <laughs> What's the load law here in this country? They have more, they're more classier. They have higher standards in Canada and you had to be 17. In the States, they call that the load law. <laughs> I got oh, off the load. <laughs> that oh, was there so she long, is. Runner, but look, he shot them. I know. It's so stupid. Why? And look, well, why is he hurting her so bad? Why is he putting a hot gun barrel near her? Now, that guy did not sign in. He just drove through the gate. <laughs> Every man's dream. Yeah. Canadian plates hauling through this. Then, <laughs> then the director shows us. The knocked down fence and they all roll over it look you know yeah he's drinking i should mention death proof the uh quinn tarantino movie yeah uh has uh a rubber ducky on kurt russell's car which is a reference right. to the movie convoy oh because there's rubber ducky why did we just see like the teamsters have a union fight with the scabs why the trucks haven't even arrived yet you see how they're fighting yeah and it's the guys in the trucks. But meanwhile, the trucks are still rolling in. It makes no sense. It's an ass. These people are fucking nuts. Oh, my head hurts. I got a Care Bear appointment and I have a headache. <laughs> right. Uh, Care Bear's movie, take two. Now, Care hey, Carol's not taking it anymore. Oh, he's shot. The about time, yeah. That's one of the bullets. Now, why does he need to take her anywhere? If he knew karate, why didn't he use karate earlier? It, in Canada, they, they pronounce it karate. Karate. Now look how good she's acting like a limp. I'm in not yeah. Doesn't seem very uh, natural. He got his gun ready, but it's really pickup's gun. Look at that Canadian brick on the yeah. top of that truck. That way, I, we get it. It's it's, Ontario, it's obviously oh, Ontario plates. Hmm. They're not pretending it's America at this point. <laughs> it's obviously a Canadian film. Yes. Now this car is a nice car. They're not going to blow up this car in the movie. So when this car gets blown up, you'll see it switches to another car. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, they had to blow it up, right? Can't have a movie without getting it blown up. Right, exactly. Old men's laid law. Right. Now, why do we see the Canadian brick 
truck driving. And then we say, okay, we're back to the USS Minnow where he, the SS Minnow where he was. Oh, before, where Skipper was. And we're going to see the Canadian C CN Tower again, because we're obviously in Canada. But here will be our Act 3 climax. And it's Great. dumb for many reasons. It doesn't make sense that he's running. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. That's a good way to put this. Uh, They're not racing towards anything. They don't have a goal to accomplish. He's just chasing them for no reason. But why would Harvey want to escape? He wants to confront Fonda. It makes no sense. There it is. The CN Tower. Yeah. So prominent. Look at that hamburger. That looks like a double quarter pounder to me. <laughs> a double? Yeah, you got two patties. Oh, I see. I guess they didn't have double quarter pounders back then. Or now look, she wakes up. Oh my head. Oh wait, you're that bad guy, Harvey. So now she starts to fuck with Harvey and wreck up his driving. He goes, keep it down, Missy. Look, screwing up his driving. Banana. You All see right, how go ahead. Set up the film. Okay, here it goes. She gets kicked out. So she Whoa! Ouch! Ouch! He jumps. Now watch the car change. See? Okay. Yeah. Boom! It's a pickup truck. Oh! End now, of the line. He's got her as a hostage to say, yeah. "Don't move," or pickup gets it. But then Peter Fonda's like, okay, it's just you and me. Let her go. And for some reason, Harvey lets her go and then gets shot. It doesn't make sense. I'll stop hitting, you know, har harping on it now. So but. you're saying then, like, the advantage Harvey has is that he, he's got her as a hostage. Yeah, right, right, right. And so Peter Fonda goes, why don't you let her go? It'll just be you and me. And he goes, okay, that's a good, all right. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. It's a good idea. And then Rain shoots him. Look how cool he is, man. He looks like Logan's run. He's so Dude, cool. he's like Scorpio, right? From uh, Scorpion? Dirt. Yes. Yeah. The dirt rubbed on his cheek for the film. He's cool, man. He's, yeah. They got a good psycho. She's crying. Yeah, and she's going to cry when Harvey dies. It doesn't make sense, but okay. This is the only movie that had one pickup in it. <laughs> they have to do a lot of pickups. Yeah, he's got that Scorpio look from uh, Dirty Harry. Yes. All right. He Mono didn't want to have a huge career, but he could have. He certainly was in a lot of things. He had a career. Yeah. Look at his, look at his, that looks like 92 in the shade. No emotion. He's been cool, man. He's good. Maybe his eyes make him cool. Both of them have that. Yeah. Oh, this guy's got like a killer look. Yeah. End okay, the so line. there's no reason they're having a high noon shootout now, but they are draw. If Peter Fonda is dead, then this guy can do his corrupt trucking thing. Right. But why would this guy want to get killed over money? Okay, now look how hurt she is because it's awful. Yeah. And she's really doing too good of a job as an actress because it makes us feel like this is awful. And we're not supposed to have that. It's a feel-good ending movie. The bad guy's done. That's just like she's probably the most she's probably the most fun character in this movie anyway. She's I got think cool, so. Yeah. 
more fun than Jerry Reed. I'll bet you he doesn't appreciate that. Well, Jerry Reed's a family man. He has no time for fun. <laughs> That's right. As a matter of fact, when they were dancing in the bar, it was because she goes, I like you guys. And, and he goes, she wasn't talking to me. I'm a married man. She's talking to you. Have a good night. And he left. <laughs> he left. Okay, here's our epilogue. Okay. Oh, and he's better. Yes. He, um, I don't know what Reed's story is going to be, but Peter Fonda is going off to see the world again, but this time he's going with pickup. Oh, and she's driving. There's baby. Bye baby. We're going to leave you unattended. Right. I remember that baby from the like, first reel of this yeah. movie. Yeah. We're going to leave you unattended like we did this whole film. You just stay in the kitchen. Well, that's all right. It's a couple of minutes. It is. It's all right. Oh, a dog we've never seen before and a goat. I know. They introduced that goat at the last minute. Surprise. I want to know more about that goat. Oh, he's got so his look, motorcycle back. Yeah, because Peter Honda is giving the kid Honda. his Indian. Uh, What did I say? Peter Honda. Honda. I said yeah. Honda because of the bike. He's giving. Look at his teary eye. He's really an actor in this film. This film changed my whole opinion about Peter Fonda. I really thought he was a horrible actor in Easy Rider and Cannonball Run and 92 in the Shade. Well, Cannonball Run, he was just having fun. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. So now up there, leaving with their Canadian plates. Bye. Bye. And our film is done. Is it? Is it really? This how it end? Ta-da. All right. Well, it's not ending yet. And, and, and <laughs> the, oh, we got eastbound. All right, here we go. Hi, Thanks for coming. By Jerry Reed and this dick feller. Look, the sun's waving goodbye. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Well, audience, I'm waving goodbye to you too. Uh, <laughs> Carl, what do you think of this movie? Um, I think thought it was very good for your show i thought that uh like you had said pickup was the best thing about it i thought that peter fonda is really an actor yeah um it was nice to be in the world of the 70s with their cool looks and everything um well it, you, you know that's not true they weren't cool but it in if you're in 78 harvey was pretty cool i don't know uh -huh. It wasn't a good film, but I enjoyed it. I think I agree with you. I enjoyed this movie. Uh, if, you know, sometimes you, you see movies that are fads and become movies, and you watch them later, and they're just not good. This one was pretty solid. And they yeah. also gave a shout-out to Radio Shack, which uh, probably helped them out. <laughs> we need a new Citizens Band, new CB radio. Go to Shack. Uh, yeah, I, I like this. I kind of like this movie. It was all right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good job, Canada. Thank you, Montreal Trust. Look, it even says Montreal Trust, Carl. <laughs> They're it's not, not even, even tr trying to hide. They they trust that you will not shoot this movie in Montreal. Keep it <laughs> in Toronto. Well, speaking of fads, Carl, next week's movie uh, is a fad from the decade of the 80s. We just had, of course, 70s truck driving. Next week, we're going to delve into the world of 1980s wrestling with a movie, oh God, called Bad Guys from 1986. There you go. The delightful Adam Baldwin. So the movie. Adam? Did you say Adam? I guess I yeah, don't know from, that I think, guy. No, you know him. He's on. He's a troll on the internet. 
I know uh, if, if, I, if I'm thinking of the, he, I think he was in Firefly. Yeah, you know his face. We've seen movies with him. Before. Oh, when I look up trailer bad guys, I'm getting 1986. Try. Yeah, you got to put in 1986 because there's a new animated film called Bad Guys in the Yes, now. that's right. Unfortunately, so. this is that's how funny is that? We're going to be watching Bad Guys next week. All right, so we're going to watch this for free next week. Bad Guys, a uh, precursor to Wise Guys, which is in two weeks. Carl. What a great guest. You did everything for this show. You researched it. You watched it several times. You wrote the I hope you'll have me on again. You want to do, are you free next week? I am free next week. Could I go? I'll fly to San Francisco, go over to Mutiny Radio and do it. I have to, hang on, I, I'm going to have to cancel my guests. Hang on a sec. <laughs> Hi, Edward Norton. We decided to go with a different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Is it because I'm difficult to work with? No, no, Mr. Norton. I have ideas. Yes, yes, Mr. Norton. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show. Keep listening to Mutiny Radio. Keep subscribing to our. Keep subscribing. Please do. Yeah. If you had did it once, you have to do it again. We need to pump up our. Numbers. Our goal is one thousand and five YouTube subscribers. Be the fifth. Will they tell us that? Uh, they just say one K. I don't know. It's probably in settings. I don't know. Yeah. Keep, no, we'll keep subscribing, please. Keep subscribing, and we'll see you guys next week. Later. Let's watch a full length. Movie on YouTube with Mike Eagleman. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Mike Eagleman. It's been And welcome to the Weekly Review. I have two guests here who have joined me. Please introduce yourselves. My name is Lenora Lee. And my name is Hien Huynh. Thanks for being here. And there's an upcoming dance performance that we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. So you joined us uh, a few months ago. It's hard to keep track of the time these days. Um, and the last performance we saw was just really impactful. It was over on Angel Island. And I just, ugh, I can't say how touching it was. It was just really incredible. 
So, what were your thoughts about that as an experience <sighs> for an audience member? Um, and first, we should also the full name of the performance was within these walls, and we created mm-hmm. a sequel named yes. Dreams of Flight. Yes, it yeah. was a, an immersive multimedia dance performance that was staged at the Angel Island Immigration Station on Angel Island State Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my first time being to Angel Island, so just being in that in that space in nature that's so close to us felt pretty. Um, it was felt like a lot to be there in that space, and then also to be in the particular environment where folks had lived. I think I could really feel the energy of what had taken place there, mm-hmm. and so it brought. T- it's difficult to put into words. It felt like I just felt like all these emotions being in this space and then seeing, hearing these stories, hearing the people's words shared and interacting with the dancers and having, sharing, it just felt, there are so many different, it's difficult, yeah, it's difficult to put into words. It just felt like it was touching on so many senses because it wasn't just visual. It wasn't just audio. It was more, it was interactive as well, and then also spiritual, I think, to be in the same place that people were before, and to not be there at the same time as them, and still to witness them, in a way. That particular immigration station was open between 1910 and 1940. Uh, It burned down, the administration building burned down in 1940, so they moved it to the mainland. But during that time, there were approximately a million immigrants processed at that station, which most people, I think, maybe even from the Bay Area, don't know about. Mm -hmm. And so of those million immigrants, about 170,000 were Chinese. And because there was a Chinese Exclusion Act in place, um, many of the Chinese were held under scrutiny and held there for much longer periods of time. And they were uh, interrogated and basically imprisoned until they can prove their innocence. And maybe Hian was in the piece for uh, both renditions, both mm-hmm. in 2017 and in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I think he can talk a little bit about um, maybe the the differences between both of those performances, even mm-hmm. though we restaged it for this past May, uh, we added a sequel, but there were differences in the actual um, approach to the audience members and the way that we came kind of charged and activated the second time, um, empowered with a lot of information from the first round, but also realizing that you know we had this ability to contribute to this dialogue and uh, what in terms of what's happening in the current current time. Yeah, the the first time we performed it, yeah, we had no idea of of its reach and its profound um, impact in that moment. So the second time coming around this year, performing it, we knew what was at stake and we, we tried our best to dive deeper into um, the, those, the stories that we were sharing. <laughs> and um, Lenora gave me the opportunity to also meet with um, the mother of the person who, uh, whose character mm. I was based off of. So we had a, a lunch date together, oh. and she shared with us a bit more of, of what happened to him after. And so with all that information in mind and what it felt to have lunch with her, then to go on to performing the piece the second time around, it was, was new. It yeah. was new, and it felt um, deeper, 
and I think this time we ended on a much more hopeful tone, mm-hmm. um, um, a sense of spaciousness and, and um, allowance um, um, and hope. Yeah. Yeah, Hien played the character of Wang Gongju, and uh, his daughter, Penelope Wang, mm. was able to, during that luncheon, share quite a bit about her father, um, who he was as a person, his character, his accomplishments. Um, she gave some hints as to what his um, detention time could have been like, and how he was a bit of a dreamer, and he was always looking for... Um, that sense of hope and accomplishment and um, working really hard and achieving. So it was exciting to then build the sequel with this knowledge Mm -hmm. and then to have certain sequences feature family, old family photos of him and um, the rest of their kin and uh, for he and to be able to embody the the essence of him Mm -hmm. more. Yeah, it it was quite exciting and... um, just a note on that, this year we received two awards. Oh, so Hien received, you want to just talk about your award? Yeah. <laughs> well, the piece itself from 2017 won um, an outstanding production award from the Isadora Duncan Dance Awards Committee. Mm-hmm. And this was the first, we were the first recipients of it. It's a brand new category. And what it represents is a high level of achievement in all of the categories, whether that's choreography, performance, um, visual design um, text and music so they felt it was at a high level for all the categories and we're very honored to have received that one and he and won a special award as well for his performance yeah it was, it was very special to be with um, the whole cast and production there and to feel you know the, the work being shared and, and recognized on that level and to, to see that you know when we can go out and and um, share such important stories and, and, and feel the community receive it that way. And, and then to be honored right back, it was definitely um, a very beautiful evening. And um, my, my mother was in town uh, mm-hmm. that week. And, you know, at that time, I had no idea. I received the nomination, but I had no idea what the results were. So she came to the ceremony too and then when they announced the name uh, i was able to bring her up on stage and i it made my life <laughs> to see how happy she was and how, how proud she was oh that's beautiful congratulations you oh both. yeah thank you that's, uh, that's, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it was a really touching performance and you. so you're also here to uh, speak about the new performance that you have coming up the first weekend of November. Yes, next weekend, November 1st through 3rd, we're performing a brand new piece entitled In the Skin of Her Hands at Dance Mission Theater, which is just a few blocks away from here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be utilizing the different rooms in Dance Mission. They have a theater as well as two studios. So in the first half of the program, the audience members will get a chance to travel through the different rooms oh, wow. and to take a look at um, the vignettes and scenarios that we've been setting up. Mm-hmm. So for this piece, it's inspired by the experiences of those dealing with cancer, battling cancer, mm-hmm. specifically breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the last two months, I had the opportunity to interview 31 people. Wow. Um, some of them are cancer survivors and some are family members. Mm-hmm. 
also uh, an oncologist and two physical therapists. And um, it's been an incredible process. I would have to say that I've learned so much, you know, from people, what people are willing to share Mm -hmm. about what they've gone through. And everyone has had very different experiences. Um, Some people have had, you know, very harsh physical dealings and um, um, chemotherapy and radiation and others have had a lighter load in dealing with the illness. But regardless, there was just um, so much richness to what they were sharing um, that we're including a lot of the voiceover bits of their stories within the piece. So you'll hear in the sound score, probably almost everybody, Um, (laughs) pretty much almost everybody in there sharing things. Um, I could talk a little bit about, you know, some commonalities, but also differences between them. And I'd actually, maybe while he and talks a little bit, I can open up some audio from the interviews and and prepare that for you. So maybe he and can talk a little bit about the genesis of the project and um, how we created the work so far. Yeah, I'm curious as to what inspired it. Yeah, Yeah, so um, um, Lenora uh, opened up and shared with us that her her sister Karina was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so this, that sort of set the tone of how, you know, important and and how uh, close this work was going to be. And so at that in that realm too, we um, had an opportunity to um, take a workshop with um, aerial dance company Bandaloop. Mm-hmm. And so we, we trained with them for, um, for the beginning of the year, and some of us trained during the summer. So we, we learned how to, to essentially fly. <laughs> and um, yeah, just seeing how much Lenora took on because she's, you know, they're interviewing over 30 people and hearing yeah. all these different stories and perspectives. And we couldn't, I couldn't even imagine how heavy that could be. You know, yes, I'm just yes. here in, in the dance studio, just hearing the, the stories and narratives play, but I can't even imagine, you know, actually meeting each and every one and, and, you know, being with their stories. So in this sense, this project feels huge and and how there's just um, so many affected and yeah. so many family members. It just everyone is is together on this. Yes. Yeah. And and I very very much look forward to opening day or the whole weekend as well because I could just imagine you know that those that are being interviewed are showing up, their family, their loved ones. So it's just. To me, it's like a, a gathering, a gathering, and and just shown up to support and, and fight for this cause. Yeah, it is a it is something that I think affects every like I, I can't I don't think I know someone who doesn't hasn't who doesn't know someone who has been affected by breast cancer. It feels like it's such a unfortunately ubiquitous disease that it's yeah it's affected so many people. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so uh, what you're about to hear uh, is an excerpt of something that we did 
We performed an excerpt at the Jurassic Resident Artist Program in Woodside, California last weekend. And so the excerpt that you will hear right now is from a woman named Valerie So. She's a professor and a filmmaker at San Francisco State University. And um, her thoughts on her experiences with breast cancer. Okay. You know, this is the funny thing about me is that I do a lot of social media. And so I posted it on social media pretty much as soon as I started treatment. And, I would, and then after a while, I started posting a lot on social media. Like I would post like when I was getting my chemo or like, you know, my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever. And I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason. Um, so for me, it was always very transparent. Uh, I have another friend who's got, it's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. Like, she's done that thing where they take out, like, do something with her bone marrow, and then she has to be in isolation for a month. Like, really intense. And she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer because she thinks it's a public health crisis, right? She thinks it's not just, like... People don't just happen to be getting this. There's like environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time. And so for her, it was almost like a, this thing is like she wants people to know that something can, needs to be done. Yeah. Right. Some people worry about job security too, like if they're going to be discriminated against because they're sick. And again, you know, I'm really lucky because I am in a position where I have job security and I'm protected. So, but I could see that. I mean, they can't legally fire you, but they could certainly do find other ways to let you go. So that was really helpful for me just to not worry so much about why it happened because then what happens is you stop thinking it's something that I did, right? It's something I'm, I have to blame myself for some flaw in my life. And then for me it was just like getting through it at that point and just always thinking, focusing on getting through whatever treatment I was doing. Yeah, so that was um, an excerpt from Valerie So's interview. And what you'll hear right now are um, two sections. One is um, from a woman who uh, shared about her experience, and then from an oncologist who I interviewed. Her name is uh, Pamela Munster. She works at UCSF. She's a researcher and an oncologist. And she had a lot of insight in terms of sharing about what her patients deal with, and she's written a book as well. So we can go ahead and listen to that. In, in oncology, where there are things coming up all the time, new information, nothing is 100% right. I think that caretakers try their best, but the knowledge platform is always changing, which is a good thing. I think we are learning more all the time My name is Pamela Munster. I'm a Swiss native. I came to the U.S. when I was 28. I, my professional life is really focused on developing new treatments for people with advanced cancer. My focus is actually breast cancer. And then I have a particular interest in, in younger women and fertility and, and hereditary cancer. So it was quite surprising that I was then diagnosed with breast cancer at 48. And I was sort of like not feeling um, that I met any criteria of, uh, of, you know, we don't have a large cancer family. 
My father's a single child. So I found out that I have a, a BRCA2 mutation. So all of a sudden I found myself with the, a disease where I'm really an expert in. Um, I was an interesting um, position to be in. You know, on one hand, I knew so much about this disease. Um, and on the other hand, as a, as a patient, you realize how little you, one actually knows. So I wrote a book, Twisting Fate, about uh, the perspective as a physician on patients. Mm -hmm. and patients. Uh, and a lot of uh, what I'm going through is like really through the initial stages of, of what the patient experience, what the medical science behind is. But then also how this phenomenon of the cancer blues, uh, how, how significant the... the part depression, part, um, it's not just depression, it's this incredible uncertainty. Depression is just one part, but there's, a, there's another really strong feeling that's really hard to place or explain to someone, unless you have been there, and that's this uncertainty that comes with the loss of your immortality. And that sort of like black vertex that people fall into. I think everyone has to find their own ways of self-calming or, or accepting. For some people, it's faith. For some people, it's friendship. And for other people, it's exercise. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, for many, it's all of them. And, and I think a lot of it is time. The, the way to acceptance is, is it's, uh, not, uh, not easy. And you know, I grew up in, in, in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more pressure on people in the U.S. to be happy, and that is particularly prevalent in California. California is my absolute favorite place to live, but it's also um, a challenging environment to live in. There's the sense here the sky is the limit, but that also gives you that need to constantly reach for the sky, right? when you could allow yourself a day of non-reaching. You know, there's, uh, there's clearly there's, uh, there's factors that are well known and they are clear and there's nothing much you can do about it. And one of them is like having a hereditary cancer mutation like BRCA1 and 2 at a highest risk for, for breast cancer. Like you have BRCA1 or 2 mutation, you have a 70% risk of having cancer, breast cancer over life. And then there's other mutations that have a lower risk in the 20 to 40% is like ATM check to uh, and many other mutations. And then, of course, there are environmental factors. Obesity. Alcohol has been associated with an increased risk of breast cancer, and frankly, excessive alcohol is bad for everybody, right? Because there's, there's a lot of heart disease associated with obesity. It's like, there's not a liver, doesn't like a lot of alcohol either. And then other risk factors are um, excessive estrogen and progesterone exposure has been associated, but is a, is a magnitude lower than, than hereditary mutations. Lack of exercise or sedentary lifestyle is clearly associated with an increased risk for breast cancer. And exercise is valuable on so many levels that I, I would encourage every woman to exercise regularly. It just does a lot of good things for, all, for overall health, overall emotional well-being. Nice to go out with friends and walk through a forest and just sit in a cafe and smoke. So, um, and other risk factors are, we don't know yet, maybe lack of sleep. Sleep has uh, become a much more well-known uh, of a risk uh, and negative health 
factor if you don't sleep enough. How this pertains to breast cancer is unclear. Some Scandinavian countries have now made breast cancer and shift worker uh, a uh, work-related illness. So, and there's clearly emerging data on that. I think like on a medical front, we have a lot of good resources, a lot of good treatment, there's a lot of advances, and we make a lot of progress when it comes to breast cancer. When it comes to equipping people with the way to handle it, we do very poorly. And you know, mental health support in the US is abysmal at best. Right? It's like there's virtually no support, you know, like, uh, and uh, what I see a lot is um, when you have a mastectomy, the, the surgical impact is quite significant. You got to get the awareness out there, the lymphatic yes. system, and how important it is. It's a second circulatory system that is so key, and doing a whole body approach into making the body work as a whole unit is, is really so important. These treatments between chemo and radiation, you're killing a lot of cells, and it all has to go through your whole lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is what keeps us alive. It just can't process and clean everything out fast enough. So with my radiation, that was when I started having issues of swelling and you're trapping a lot of fluids that doesn't get out unless you work on manually trying to get it moving out of the area. You got to get the scar tissue broken down. You got to get the fluid moving. It's with the radiation, now you get scarring, you got the swelling, and then, of course, you get the blistering. Swelling is a function of the ribs not moving. If you get the ribs moving, you're going to use the whole body pump to start getting the whole vascular system moving because the lymphatic system runs with the vascular system. Well, you know, this is the funny thing about me is that I do a lot of social media. And so I posted it on social media pretty much as soon as I started treatment. And then, I would, and then after a while, I started posting a lot on social media. Like I would post like when I was getting my chemo or like, you know, my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever. And I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason. Um, so for me, it was always very transparent. Uh, I have another friend who's got, it's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. Like, she's done that thing where they take out, like, do something with her bone marrow, and then she has to be in isolation for a month. Like, really intense. And she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer, because she thinks it's a public health crisis, right? She thinks it's not just, like... People don't just happen to be getting this. There's like environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time. And so for her, it was almost like this weird thing. Was like so what you will hear in a second is a clip that I uh, recorded we with talked my a sister bit about the word Karina. Of this, you know, and I think that it does describe uh, the initial onset of metastatic cancer because you're in this overwhelming dark place where you didn't even know that something has just taken over your entire body. 
you know, it's everywhere. It's in every bone in your body, in your organs. And you didn't even know that it was in there growing. And all of a sudden you have this impending possibility of death and you have to pull your shit together <laughs> and swim and swim up towards the light and keep treading water and uh, find your way out of the abyss, uh, holding it together, being strong mentally and physically, and it's not an overnight process. It's uh, keep treading water and going towards this, swimming towards the surface for months and months and months until you get a handle on things, until you're a little bit lighter and you're floating a little bit easier, you know, until um, your body is fighting those cancer cells and and building a defense uh, uh, in your own body. And so uh, that word, it makes a lot of sense for, for the first, uh, I think, year. That sort of sums up the, the struggle uh, of being thrown in the deep end, and then having to either sink or swim. So, of course, I chose to swim, uh, but, you know, and to come out ahead and floating and sort of relaxing now, relaxing and floating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you feel has influenced you along the way? You're motivated. And you're listening to the Weekly Review on Mutiny Radio. But then I immediately thought, oh my grandma, she worked two jobs for as long as I can remember. That example of being such a hard worker and coming from Colombia with barely anything. I mean, she has more than any of us financially and like assets and everything. Um, she has more than all of us put together, you know, and that's, that, that's very impressive, you know, I, and, and she worked for every single bit of it, you know, she's smart, you know, she's a very good businesswoman, um, and she came knowing just Spanish. She is she is feisty, she's a warrior, she's a go-getter, she, I think if death can come knocking at her door, she will say, I'm busy, come back later. Like my little granddaughter says, she's strong, intelligent, fuerte, valiente, inteligente, and uh, courageous. If there's anything I want to do, then I should go do it. Don't wait. I was at a low point, but now, after a year or two, now I'm relaxed, happy. Although I'm doing less work, the money is not the most important. The most important is if the person is living happily. I mean, literally, like, life is too short to put up with, with idiocies. Um, and I'm sure that that urgency comes from being sick. You know, you kind of realize that you could die any day. But at the same time, you know, I think I really appreciate life a lot more, too. And maybe that's, that was something that uh, we needed to go through to appreciate.
to appreciate who she is and give her the best that we can. Maybe things happen for a reason, not always, but I like to think that maybe this illness is giving us an opportunity for exploring another type of love with her. And welcome back. Thank you so much for playing these clips. There's a, uh, yeah. there's a lot there. There is. Yeah. Yes. Something I was um, curious about was what was the process like in terms of, I mean, you spoke to a lot of folks and there's only a limited amount of time, I would imagine, for the performance. So what was the process like in terms of selecting which pieces to use? Sure, yeah, we so we put a call out earlier this year for people who m might be interested in sharing their stories, and it, the word got spread that way. We also publicized it in different ways, and then I think it spread through word of mouth as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, of the 31 interviews mm, in the last two months, not only were we creating the dance material together, but I was on the backside, you know, going through the interviews multiple times, trying to um, pinpoint either experiences that I felt were very unique amongst the group mm -hmm. or certain things that were commonalities. And I felt that it was also very important to have the oncologist and the healthcare professional perspective as well. Um, it was challenging and continues to be challenging because I feel like uh, so much of what people shared is important and probably, you know, not very well known by the general public. Mm. Um, they, you know, to, for, to give an example, there was one woman who uh, was at General Hospital and she, her regular doctor was not around, but she was dealing with the chemotherapy and um, she ended up falling into a coma and they weren't sure why mm. um, and the family was um, not sure if she was going to come out of it so they were making preparations you know considering selling the house and trying to figure out how to cover the costs if she does pass um, and but by some miracle she came back <laughs> And she was able to come out of it. And they realized later, after her regular doctor had come back, is that she had hepatitis B. And after each chemo session, they were supposed to have tested her blood, um, but they didn't realize that uh, her liver failed, basically. And um, then, because of her case, then they, they put into motion certain practices to make sure that everybody gets tested. And, you know, I just feel like it was an unfortunate situation as well because she's an immigrant woman and the way that she shared it with me was that it was a miracle. And, and I definitely felt that, but I also felt, uh, were there some barriers that she had to deal with due to language perhaps, um, but also, you know, having people, uh, who are familiar with the healthcare system here or, Mm, are have lived their lives or generations of their lives here who could advocate for her or could have advocated for her. So there mm -hmm. were actually a lot of interesting occurrences um, that that struck me and where I felt like I had to deal with certain questions about eth being ethical and um, mm. my place of privilege and when should I speak and when should I not. 
Um, but really, I, I felt like I, it wasn't my place to say anything or make particular comments, but really it was giving them the space to share about what occurred. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are a lot of, a lot of different stories and, um, we, you know, those of us that got a chance to listen to it were quite moved by all of them. Uh, and particularly the, the resilience in, um, this quest to live, you know, and the, the, the overarching feeling of not being willing to succumb to the disease you know, of course, there were people who passed and of family members of people who passed that I got a chance to interview as well. Mm -hmm. And so they shared another perspective on, you know, their roles as caretakers mm -hmm. and how uh, that could be challenging and uh, require a lot of energy and different emotional and psychological tactics to keep their loved ones um, hopeful yes. and pushing forward. Um, as well as their their research for various different and new um, methods of treatment, mm -hmm. you know. So it was mm, a very yeah. I feel like I'm just yeah. opening the door to this type of research, mm -hmm. uh, honestly, because the there's been such a short short span of of time for me to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. But and and and. I, I will have to say, I will say publicly that if folks do want to share their stories with me, I'm mm -hmm. more than welcome to continue this interview process to be able to capture stories. Oh, you know, I think um, the project will continue in various forms past this performance next weekend. Yes. Mm hmm. Yeah. Is there anything, Ian? Maybe Ian can talk a little bit about the rehearsal process and how sure. we've been dealing with the material and putting things together. Because for Hian, who came in two years ago, we've done more um, site-specific works together. And the first one was on Angel Island. The second one was in a swimming pool. <laughs> and then Angel Island again. Mm -hmm. This is our first opportunity to work together inside a proscenium theater. Yeah, um, alongside that, you know, uh, last year, um, Lenora said we were going to do a, a project in, underwater, and I didn't know how to swim, and, and um, our other dancer, Johnny, didn't know how to swim either, so mm -hmm. we, 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 were, <laughs> we jumped in and we learned how to swim for the project, oh, and, wow. and this year, we're engaging in aerial work, and mm -hmm. neither of us have, have done our uh, Many of us in the company haven't done it before, so now we're flying together. So it's it's been really fun to just jump in these unknown territories for us and to explore in that way. And um, alongside, you know, feeling the, the parallel um, just essence of navigating through um, unpredictable circumstances and situations and, and pathways and how we can support one another and how, you know, we're, we're, we may be limited in certain ranges, but then there's also things that are, um, say, und undiscovered mm -hmm. in certain areas. So it's it's been a big um, kind of like boxes of mystery opening <laughs> on the horizon. Um, yeah, we're first time working together in a proscenium theater felt like so strange because you know we're usually at the site in the building mm -hmm. um 
with the audience and, and so now to be shape-shifted into um, a certain section of a proscenium theater I know I felt myself kind of like uh, unfamiliar again <laughs> to, to this but then yeah I think what um, just keeps us going is just remembering that we're here honoring these stories mm-hmm. that are being shared and and um, yeah a part of me um, imagines you know like particularly with, with this um, circumstance it's sort of that unpredictability of it where you don't know your time um, frame sometimes and it's like with your loved ones you don't know how much time you have with them and uh, and and so there's like this unknown ticking clock mm-hmm. sort of present and so yeah my my heart goes out to to all those facing and facing it together and 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 the bravery that that entails and also the like Lenora was saying the resiliency of how you know there's so many different ways of modes of research and from your from your dietary to your spiritual well-being and like all these things that support it or just simply being with somebody you love and and how that captures and and um keeps you going keeps you fighting and so yeah it's been very warm and and inspiring to to be with as hian mentioned earlier you know part of the inspiration for the project was when my sister got diagnosed last year and at that time we didn't we just were all caught off guard and and she had uh, stage four mm-hmm. metastatic breast cancer. So it had already spread from both breasts to the lymph nodes to her uh, liver and her bones. And we were all just kind of scrambling, trying to figure out how best to support her, mm-hmm. um, what would be the best mode of treatment for her. She was getting lots of different opinions from health care professionals that we knew or were related to. And um, so at that point, given given what I felt I was capable of doing to help support, was I wanted to be able to interview her and just for her her to have the space to talk about whatever she wanted to share in terms of what she was going through, all the information she was learning, you know how she felt her family was going through um, this simultaneously. She has four kids and she runs a business with her husband, so. It was a huge kind of shift in her life, and it really forced her to to turn the mirror on herself and um, take a look at how how can I heal from this? You know, what is it that that I need to shift in terms of my lifestyle to make the adjustments um, and I'll give my body the space to heal? And so. That was really it. It was that first interview with her where I felt, oh, wow. I'm just totally reminded, even though we grew up together, I was reminded, oh, my gosh, my sister, she's a strong woman. You know, she's a fighter. And there's there's no doubt that she's just going to keep pushing, which she did. I mean, she's always problem solving. She's always trying to think of, you know, alternatives, uh, ways to look at things, 
seeking out information. Um, and so really, I mean, if we, if I were to say, okay, how did she heal? Well, she figured it out, you know, <laughs> she, she can figure it out or like she can come to, you know, the, the solutions to problems. And, um, but of course, you know, there is there, you're faced with this question of like, what's your time frame now? Mm-hmm. And how do we look at our time together, yes. uh, in a way that is generous, but also very clear so that we can appreciate the time that we have together. Um, and through this process for me, I did a lot of writing actually. And I did, um, I mean, I could share some of that writing, but we did writing uh, as a way for me to process it like over time. And then, um, we ended up building this piece, you know, we have some financial support through grants, but because Mm -hmm. it was such a short timeline, really um we are still fundraising for this project um and so especially if it's going to be an ongoing project i think Mm -hmm. it's worth it to consider you know how can we support this type of research in the long run yeah yeah i mean Mm -hmm. i appreciate all forms of art and that can really open up conversations and bring people into spaces where they might not either feel comfortable or really know how to get involved Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate that you've put this together. Mm, the, thank you. And also just highlighting so many voices and recognizing that every person has their own journey and their own perspective on how they handle a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe yeah. I can share also uh, the artistic collaborators in the project. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, yes. so we're, uh, we're working with longtime collaborators, Olivia Tang with the media design and um, saxophonist composer Francis Wong and uh, bassist Tatsuo Aoki, mm-hmm. who's in Chicago. Francis is based here. And um, we're utilizing some existing music tracks from Tatsu's from his ensemble in Chicago. We're having some live vocalization and singing from three members of the group here during the show um, with a, a cast of seven. So we have Hien, we have Johnny Wen, uh, Megan Lowe. So Megan has a background in aerial dance. She's uh, been dancing with Flyaway Productions and teaching with Bandaloop. And we have Lin Huang and Sansan Kwan. Sansan teaches at UC Berkeley in mm-hmm. dance and performance studies. We have Jory Horn, who also has experience in aerial dance. Yeah, and so um, we're excited to be bringing this to you. We can also offer tickets. So again, the performances are November 1st and 2nd at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock and November 3rd at 5 o'clock. Okay. The program runs a little over an hour, and then we're having a post-performance panels by some of the interviewees oh. and healthcare professionals. So each night it'll be a different panel. Oh, great. Yeah. And if folks would like to purchase tickets, should they go to your website? Yes, or, okay. yes, which is Lenora Lee Dance, L-E-N-O-R-A-L-E-E-D-A-N-C-E dot com. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Excellent. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Uh, no, just um, we hope to see you there this weekend. Again, the performance is at Dance Mission. Uh, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. 
uh, Friday and Saturday will be at 8 p.m. and Sunday will be at 5 p.m. And yeah, it would be amazing if you all could come out and be with us, be with the interviewees, and just share that space and time to um, reflect, um, uh, brainstorm, and 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 just yeah, be with each other during this moment in time. Yeah, and I would imagine that each performance will be not only unique in that all performances are unique and i imagine that given the folks who will be there afterwards the conversations afterwards will be different as well mm -hmm. so folks could come every night and see a different performance mm -hmm. i can share a couple of um writings um he and has some writing as well that we did as part of this uh, project and process and uh, this is something that i wrote uh, I'll give a, a couple of short excerpts. Mm -hmm. I received a voicemail from my father who said, Karina's oncologist called and said the cancer has spread from both breasts to her lymph nodes to her liver and bones. I hold myself up against the glass windows separating me and the pool from the lobby on the outside. I call my father and he confirms it. Standing in the shower, Water flows from the pools of my eyes to cross the intersection of the chlorine water being rinsed from my skin down into the drain of forever. They said this type of cancer isn't detected on regular mammograms. It was only until I complained about the masses that they ordered the 3D ultrasound for me. The technician knew right away that it had spread. Through the blood and the bones, through the tissues and organs, infectious, seeking pathways of their own to new territory, new cells, inhabiting more and more space in her being. If it's not an untype common, it's, if it's not an uncommon type of cancer, why don't they screen as a preventative measure? Then they're missing entire populations who have this. We feel the rivers flowing through the depths of her veins, through the question of tomorrow, through the broken visions of the future to the pale softness of her skin holding the storm inside. <sighs> Here's one more short one um, that's a little bit more general. The tides that ripple behind and in front, immersed in a sea and ocean. The sunlight glistens across the tips of the waves out to the abyss of the horizon. The nerves calm. Everything releases to the beauty of this water all around, as wide as one can see, as deep as the center of the earth, extended for thousands of years, for generations of life, hosting and giving birth to creatures abound. Look closer. What do you see? Can you see beneath the surface of where the air meets the waves, this dividing line of lands land creatures and those of the sea? A fourth wall. A fifth wall? Who is the viewer and who is being witnessed? Dive into the ocean of sun rays beaming down through the ripples of the water. As you fall closer and closer to the earth, through the stratospheres, the layers of life, the oxygen amasses, where will you land? Who will you meet? what journeys will come about.
Do I have anything? <laughs> this here? Ian has a writing also. From the self, beyond the self, a collective consciousness, the interconnectedness of all beings, universal frequencies, love in its purest form of frequency, energy, our capacity to awaken compassion, clarity, seeing the goodness and light in ourselves and the universe. We inherit the deeds, the trauma, the gifts of our ancestry, but spiritually and morally, we can be binded, traced, overcome, and bestowed with both burden and gift. Walking serendipitously, highest frequency, love the selfless, giving of mother figures. There is an allowance that opens the window of the being, two channels, the voices cry and call of that which is necessary to be manifested and shared. Oh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, oh. I think that's a nice way to close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lenora and Ian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Roman. Very much look forward to the performance. Yeah. Uh, we can offer some know. tickets, too, to your listeners. Oh, yes. So whenever you feel like it, we can give three pairs of tickets away. Okay. Yeah, for the Friday performance, November 1st. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and we'll put it that way. If um, Three tickets, just email us at LenoraLeeDance2 at gmail.com. That's Lenora, L-E-N-O-R-A. Lee, L-E-E, dance, D-A-N-C-E, two, the number two, at gmail.com. Just email us and mention Mutant Radio and um, your first name and last name. And the first three people to email us will receive those three tickets. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take a bit of a music break here, and then we'll be back with the rest of the program. So thanks again for being here. And we'll see you the first weekend of November. See you, Roman. Thank you.